So welcome back to Love, Sex and Alchemy podcast. So today I'm here with EJ Love and we're here to share about reclaiming pleasure and play. Welcome EJ, thanks for joining me. Mm, so great to be here and yes, um, I'm very excited to talk about this topic because it is something that's been such a big thing in my life and in the lives of my clients is reclaiming these parts of ourselves that has essentially been so shut down, especially those of us that have been, you know, hyper-independent, high achievers, focused on our intellectual uh, our knowledge and um, caretaking and looking after and pleasing others, reclaiming you know, play and pleasure is, in my opinion, absolutely essential to live a fulfilled life and experience mm. a deep intimacy and love that we really want. Mm, I love that. I love that. So EJ and myself have been working pretty closely together for the last like two or three months. Um, And we've been running a program together, basically supporting women um, that have been on a similar journey to what we have that have been stuck in these high achieving roles and actually burnt out and have gone on this journey of reclaiming our pleasure and play and intimacy and flirting and and all the things so (laughs) all the fun stuff yeah yeah all the yummy stuff and the Um, edgy stuff (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but um yeah EJ is like the the play queen, is that what you're calling yourself now? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did change my Instagram recently to say queen of play and intimacy. And and really it was um, me putting a stake in the ground of like, this is what I'm here for. This is um, what I want to be a stand for. Because um, if I just share a little bit of my, my journey is that I grew Please. up very, um, very much being rewarded for achievement. So being a straight A school student, my mom wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer, go to university, get a degree. I needed to do that to be successful and make sure that you have a successful career before you have a man. Like these were some of the things that I, that I heard growing up. And as a little girl, I was really playful. I, I played a lot of games. I was really creative and as I got into, uh, into school and started studying and became focused on, on you know, achievement uh, and, and that reward that I was getting from that, like literally I would get, my mum would buy me dolls if I did well on a test. <laughs> yeah, and, wow. and I would get like awards from the principal for doing so well. So, you know, I, I got really recognised for the sense of achievement. Yet I had this, always had this creative um, playful part of myself and something that happened uh, a number maybe five years ago my mum showed me brought out my old school reports like she'd kept them all and what was really interesting is that for the first two years of my school some of the the, the reports basically said that Emma Jane she loves getting up in the front of the class and doing a performance and I have absolutely no recollection of that I'm like that does not sound like me like that's that's not me. I didn't, I didn't do that. I can't even like, who is that person? And then about seven or eight years old, my report started to change to like, EJ is such a delight to have in class. Like she's, she's uh, like, I was quiet and I was, and this is what I remember, like being very quiet, studying hard, doing my homework. I do not remember myself being like a really expressive student at school. And so it's really interesting that I um, 
saw that I'm actually going to, um, cause it was coming to my awareness again. I'm going to have a chat to my mom about that and just see like, you know, was there something that happened that, um, that got shut down essentially that I was shut down in my expression to, to some degree. And so I really see that my life became focused on studying, learning, and doing becoming successful and avoiding failure and just continuing to work to focus on the next thing that next level of success but it never being quite enough and it wasn't until that I actually got burnt out and could not function basically I had like nothing no motivation nothing to give like there was just nothing left uh, that I actually got to face these parts of myself and that I really felt like a lot of worthlessness when I had nothing to give. I was like, I felt worthless. I felt useless. I felt hopeless. I was like, who am I if I'm not doing? And, I, and I'd become a human doing. Like, who am I if not, I'm not doing something? If I'm not sharing something, if I'm not helping somebody, if I'm not giving something, it, like, it was like, I don't, like, I don't even, I'm like, how, who am I? I'm of no use, I'm of no value. Mm. What's even, what's even the point? So. Fortunately, I actually worked with, um, an, I hired an intimacy coach who supported me to lean in to these parts of myself that had been shut down, um, the, being the play and the pleasure. And it's like, what do I actually want to experience? And, oh, my God, it was so, so vulnerable for me to express these parts of myself and be seen in these parts of myself because they had been so shut down, but also completely liberating. And really, this is a big part I wanted to, like a big piece of what I love um, helping other women with. And um, in, in the program that we, the immersion that we run together, Deepa, this is a big part of Deepa. And I know that you've had a similar journey um, yourself and this is why we can you know we have resonance with this as well and I'd love to I'd love for you to share your journey as well mm. yeah it was interesting as um as you were speaking I was I was remembering myself and almost getting these images of me as a little girl like dancing and performing for like mum and dad and the friends that would come over and I'm actually staying with um, a really good friend at the moment and she has a five-year-old girl and she's She's very spirited and it's sort of reminded of, of me, you know, wanting to show me everything and, you know, just really wanting to be that centre of attention. And I do remember being like that as a little girl. And then, yeah, I don't know what happened, but maybe someone just shut me down or shamed me in that at some point. And, and um, it, it, so I started registering that and being in my fullest expression as unsafe. And really, like, it, for me in the in the reclaiming, um, what really comes to mind is, like, I feel like it's as I've been learning how to really speak on stage and getting that confidence to really get myself out there and speak on podcasts and, and go on stage and talk about sex and intimacy. And it's like, the more that I do that, the more of like that my comedian comes out, you know, the part of me that really loves to banter and yeah. loves to, to joke around and is actually really playful and, and isn't very serious at all. I can, I can really like bring this lightheartedness into some of the most awkward and serious conversations right so um but yeah a little similar to you like I, I've definitely had this like overachieving part of me um 
very much always had this like drive in me. I was like, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to earn a lot of money. You know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. We weren't, you know, poor or anything, but money was a big thing. You know, like my parents were in scarcity and I remember just being like, I don't want to be like that. Like I, I know that I'm not here for that, <laughs> that life. Like I'm no, I know that I'm here to have something a little bit more, more freedom. Yeah. More financial freedom. And so, yeah, I was always this like overworker and this overachiever. And, you know, I always just wanted more and more and more. And I realized that as well, actually looking back on my childhood, um, I wasn't pushed when it comes to school like you and doing well at school, but I was in other ways. Like there was other ways where it was like, that's good, but you could do better. Yeah. So there was always this part of me that just was trying to do better and wanted more Mm. and thought that I, I was never really like actually satisfied with my efforts. It was like, there's, there's this perfectionist, you know, that came out that was just like, I always want more, I always need to do more and very much um, wasn't comfortable unless I was achieving and doing. And I like how you said that I was a, I was a human doing, not a human being. Mm. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got sick and fully like had an adrenal burnout. Um, that I started to actually soften and learn how to um, be <laughs> and be comfortable being. And and honestly, I feel like I'm just going through like a much deeper embodiment of all of that mm. right now, being pregnant and just mm. feeling like <laughs> I'm really in my feminine. And it's like that, that high achiever. It's like, I still, I, you know, it's still there. Like I still want to do stuff. Um, yeah. But it's like, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm so in a, my feminine flow. It's like, I just, I need to, mm. there, there needs to be a lot of being and a lot of space in my life. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that you're getting forced into that at a deeper level. And, and as you were sharing, um, you actually reminded me of my partner who is also a recovering high achiever. And his thing is like, I need to be the best. And he mm. was a, even though he wasn't actually, he considered himself like not very intellectually smart. Like as a kid, he wasn't really recognized for that, but he was very good at sport. And so he would do bodybuilding comps. He was like doing like at 14 years old, he was training and um, getting these achievements and then went on to become this, you know, world renowned stripper, male entertainer all over the world, (laughs) Vegas shows, and getting like hundreds of like millions of women <laughs> um, their <laughs> attention and it was all validation yeah and and that he was receiving he, you know, obviously has aware of it, awareness of it now that it was all this validation that was coming from being like th- this this sort of fame um that that was happening back in back in the manpower days for those listening that remember <laughs> manpower the very first um male strip show that that toured the world and so, um, his, yeah, his journey was, I need to be at the top of my field. I need to be the best. So rather than like, oh, I need to like, you know, be intellectually smart. I was just like, I just need to get to the top. And, and it still comes out in the things that he does, but you know, he's much more aware of it and not associating so much with like, this is, this is my value here. And so something that I, I <laughs> something that has dropped into my awareness lately is when I've been, Uh, thinking about how play was really the key for me to actually allow intimacy into my life. And (laughs) 
before I realized this and went through my burnout, I'd done a lot of work on my intimacy. I'd done intimacy workshops, tantra. I was a tantra practitioner, teacher. I was running like out of loving men workshops, helping men and women understand each other. And like I was like, oh, I knew that men liked vulnerability. I knew that like men liked appreciation. I knew all the things. And I was, to some degree, I was definitely embodying those things. And it was, again, it's a knowledge piece of like, okay, how can I bring this to my relating with men and I was having um I was relating with men but I wasn't really it was like I was still closed to allowing a man and it was truly available and um this part of me when I was around a man that was the kind of man that was like a leader who was in my community like exactly the kind of man that I wanted to be with it's like this invisible wall was there and I froze and I couldn't be myself. I was like, Oh my God. Well, like, and, and the way, the easiest way and the safest way to, for me to connect with them was through my intellect, through having an intellectual conversation, through talking about our work, through talking about what they do and what I do. And we'd end up in like business collaborations. <laughs> when, <laughs> when we, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, this is the easy way to get close and connect with them is we talk about, we talk about business. And we talk about friend zoning. I was business zoning because that <laughs> that was that was safe. It's like, what can we create together? What can we achieve together? When really deep down, I felt like, oh, I, I'm attracted to this person. Or I want to connect with this person at a deeper level, but I didn't know how to really be vulnerable and express that, and and was afraid to essentially be rejected. And one of these men, I actually <laughs> opened up and I. I said to him, oh, I'm really curious as to why you um, haven't taken any other interest in me other than and friends. And because there was a little spark at the start when we first connected, there was like we kissed once and I was, and then we just went into like this friend zone and business zone. And he said to me, well, you're not very playful. Like you, um, my little boy, like my inner child doesn't feel like I can play with your inner child. And it was such a beautiful reflection to receive because it made me see that like, wow, yeah, I, I don't show my playfulness. I don't show my silliness. I don't show that around men. Like I, like I don't even, I don't even know how to do that. And like I, to flirt was like, I thought I was like the worst flirt in the world. I was like, I don't even know how to do that. Like, um, and there was definitely men in my space that I felt a bit more safer to do that with but they weren't the kind of men that I actually was interested in, right? So it was just these certain men that were um, available and the kind of man that I'd want to be with. They were more secure. And, and, and so hearing that and then going through burnout and then even I was reading a book that said that how much um, men, like they want to be, they, they desire to be able to play and, and connect with a woman on, on that level to bring out that, that's part, those parts of themselves. And I just, just like when I couldn't work anymore because I was burnt out, I was like, well, like what, what, what would light me up? What would bring me joy? And I started to looking at what were the things that I loved to do as a child and the things that maybe that, that made me feel alive. What are the things that actually make me feel alive? And um, one of the things that I did is I actually was, uh, I did a course in flirting <laughs> and I, I, yeah, to practice, like, okay, I'm just going to practice. And, and it was amazing. I love, like, I had so much fun doing that course 
and was leaning into a lot of edges. And I also did um, some improv classes and started like putting myself in positions to fail because underneath this high achiever and independence was, was fear of failing, was fear of stuffing up, a fear of making mistakes. And so for me, it was like, how can I actually put myself in positions to fail and know that I'm not going to die, that I'm safe or put myself in a position to be rejected? Like speak, like, so I started, this is when I was working with this intimacy coach who was helping me to be like, okay, you're going to lean in and you're going to have this conversation. You're going to reveal your desire. You're going to reveal that, Hey, I really, I'm feeling some connection here. Do you want to explore that? Like I, and in the past I'd be like, Oh, no way. I would just find some other way to connect with them where I wouldn't have to reveal my true feelings. So practicing like being okay with like hearing no and, and, and like not having men receive me and not knowing that I'm not going to die, that I'm okay, that I'm safe and really helped me and to open up this, this playful, um, creative, fun part of myself. And it was like just so incredibly liberating. And so, so then, as you, and I know that I've shared this story many times, um, but obviously maybe people not listening haven't, haven't heard it, is that then when my partner, um, well, didn't know he was my kind of being my partner, but when he arrived, <laughs> like I felt safer to express this part of myself and these parts of myself and he is so much more easeful and he is like one of the most playful people <laughs> like I've ever, ever met. And in the past I've been with a playful partner and I would shut that playfulness down. Like I didn't even know that I was, I was like, oh, you know, can you just be serious for a minute or like, I would, and it was because my, I, I didn't know how to handle that or work with that. And now it's like, oh, how much more can we play together? Like, what can we explore here? What can we create rather than what can we achieve together? You know, it's, mm. it's more like how can our playfulness be an inspiration for our life, for our work? And how can we share that with others without it, like needing to have an outcome or result or it's like just for the sheer, sheer joy of it. So I felt that that wall came off. And, um, you know, we've been together two and a half years now and we're, we're still really playful with each other and we also have depth, um, whereas a lot of relationships after the honeymoon period wears off, they lose their, their flirtiness, they lose their playfulness, they lose that spark and they go into their safety and comfort zones. Mm. Um, and I think that is why like, I'm so big on this, is like this is how we keep things alive in our long-term relationships. Yeah, I agree. And I agree with with the fact that you guys are still so playful. Like when we spent Easter with you guys, like me and Stu, my partner, spent Easter with you guys, we're like, that's the best weekend we've had in ages. It was so playful. <laughs> like we just felt like we played games all Easter. It was great. <laughs> yeah, that was so it. fun. <laughs> <laughs> and it is. Yeah. It's so important to keep that spark alive. Like me and my yeah. partner are very playful as well. Like, mm. Or is Dan around or is tickling or is you know like wrestling with each other like we're very we're very playful and um mm. yeah I feel like it, it's 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 such it's so important to build intimacy and I love like mm. hearing your journey I know that I've heard it before but I always hear new little bits every time you share and I love that you've been on this journey and I've been on a similar journey and now we're bringing this work to women, right, and helping women on a similar path. It's so important. 
for me, I just want to share like um, around the reclaiming play and pleasure. I feel like my avenue into really reclaiming that was through more around reclaiming my innocence. Mm. So yes, yeah, yeah, yeah and and my vulnerability. So I feel like I've always been pretty playful. Like I've always, especially with good friends, like with really good friends, um, like my inner child's just like full permission to come out and play and joke and it's very lighthearted. Um, I've always been quite a flirty person as well. Like even with men, I've always been pretty good at flirting with men, but I haven't been very great at really like softening and showing my innocence, like showing more Mm. of the um, less playful sides of, of my innocence, I guess. And that's really been like my avenue into actually reclaiming my pleasure as well. Um, And when I say innocence, I'm talking about like, obviously children are innocent as well. And there has been a big reclaiming of my inner child over the many years I've done this work. Um, But for me, it was like around reclaiming like the maiden, you know, like almost like Mm. the teenager, the teenage version of myself who was actually, you know, deeply traumatized. Um, so yeah, for me, it's been really reclaiming the vulnerabilities of that and really like softening and letting go mm. of these masks that I wore around being that strong, independent woman, being, you know, this, this high achiever um, and all of those high functioning roles and really softening into and, and bringing, bringing this more vulnerable, um, softer feminine side of me out. And in that... Mm. I've actually been able to reclaim this pleasure that I didn't know was sort of possible, you know, like I was, I was already pretty like full body orgasmic before I started this journey of really reclaiming my innocence. But it's like when, it's like when you heal your nervous system, right? Like after burnout, like my focus has been like nervous system healing and like really regulating my nervous system and keeping my whole being regulated um so that I can function and it's like it's in that place when your whole body is reg- like when your nervous system is regulated your whole body can like soften and relax and it's in that state where you can actually experience a lot more pleasure in your body so yeah that's mm. been a little bit of of my journey um mm. and And yeah, and I guess in that as well, like bringing more of that out um, in the way that I present, bringing more of that out on stage. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, which is interesting because I, um, as Sarah knows, I'm right into human design and I've looked at all like, like looked at her gates and you have the gate of the comedian, which is gate 56 and I have it as well, but you have it, like it is your big like your conscious personality which is like this is the energy you're you know essentially here to do life with and so I I love that you're really in embodying that in the way that you're showing up and the way that you're speaking and it's like like it's a really beautiful permission piece as well to um yeah to to own these parts of ourselves um and yeah I I really think you know reclaiming our innocence is is a huge part of that for me I felt like I had grew up quite fast and, uh, you know, got, got quite like responsible over and owned. And this is a classic trait of the, 
you know, the high achiever and the, um, the strong independent woman, the, the caretaker, these roles is that they are overly responsible and the pleaser as well. It's like we learn that to be the overly responsible one or to be the responsible one, but then we're usually being overly responsible and taking care of um, other things before ourselves, like whether that's through work or people and focusing on the, the external rather than exploring like, you know, how do I want to express myself and, um, you know, what would bring me joy? And, Mm -hmm. and so I think it's so important for us to reclaim these parts of ourselves. And, you know, with the maiden, I've had a very, um, I love as one of my favorite archetypes because I'm a very sensual person. And so I really associate the maiden with sensuality and, I've loved being able to embody that archetype and, and the vulnerability and being witnessed and seen. I did done a lot of you know, feminine embodiment work and working with archetypes and that, that maiden energy is and being witnessed in that and being feeling safe to be witnessed in that has been, been so powerful. Mm. Yeah. yeah, for me yeah. too. It's been probably the the most challenging and the most sort of rewarding archetype to to work with for me. Um, yeah, and 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 same. I've got a similar journey of like I remember being a kid and I remember just wanting to grow up. Like I didn't. There was at one point, like maybe it was around like ten. You know, when kids start to get to that age and they actually become like the you know they're like little little adults and I just wanted to be an adult I just like I remember wearing my mum's high heels wearing my mum's jewelry and earrings when I was really young and I was like I just can't wait to be an adult you know and at 16 I was like fake ID I was going clubbing (laughs) like I I didn't really like embrace my childhood and I feel like it's it's been in this period of reclaiming my innocence that I've also really let my inner child come out and play and you know um I've got a the my group of girlfriends at home like we are very playful we have names for our inner child and when we're together like they are always out like we are honestly like acting like kids a lot of the time and it is just so fun there's just so much permission to just be silly Mm. and not not be this you know this coach and you know whatever other labels that we have to put on in our day-to-day life (laughs) yeah Yeah, I love that I'm gonna have to get a name for my inner child I don't think I've named her yet um (laughs) I I have named my pussy though and her name is Joy Joy I love that yeah Joy and 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 they get that kind of leads into um what I wanted to share around around pleasure which you know, it's a fairly deep conversation, and if anyone does want to, you know, learn more about that, I I, ha- I have my own podcast called Deep Sexy Play, and and <laughs> I made sure I put the word play in my in my podcast name, where I talk about my journey healing from um, working in the sex industry and being a pleaser, and essentially being in this um, trauma response of fawning, yeah, and and so this is something we're also going to be that we journey with in our deeper immersion is looking at where women are actually fawning which is essentially pleasing and both in their relating but and in their sex life and which stops us from really being able to receive and reclaim our pleasure and so 
<clears throat> what I realized is that basically I have been a sexual fauna my whole life, like a, a pleaser consistently, like even getting into the sex industry and, and, and even being a, even being a Tantra practitioner, like I can see that there's a degree of me like pleasing and caretaking others, caretaking their pleasure, you know, looking after them first. You know, and then, then, but at the same time, uh, not making my pleasure a priority, uh, not barely self-pleasuring, or if I did self-pleasure, it might be like a quick two minutes and then I'm done, and not being open to receiving pleasure from men and always focusing on like what could I give to them and, and even struggling to receive pleasure, like being in my head, being disconnected, feeling frozen and not feeling safe, that I, it was safe for me to receive. And then and then feeling resentment um, towards men that because often I felt like I was being taken from as well. Mm. So that that uh, my body is just for, for men to, to to take for their pleasure. And then that resentment would build a lack of desire and more 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 um disconnection and more feeling numb and like this 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 becoming disassociated. And so like that it's been such a I can't even like it's been such a huge journey to reclaim more pleasure in my life and it doesn't necessarily have to be like it's self pleasure um with the body there's there's ways that I've been able to find pleasure in in every day in everyday activities and um you know being in the moment being more present like not working as much like not working like I the, the hours I used to work and and give to others and over give crazy like sometimes mm. I'd be up to 3 a.m like working wow and and I'd probably get get up at like eight or nine but I'd work and I just keep going and going and going and I was just like look. and I was like yeah one day one day I won't I won't work this much but um and that didn't happen until I my adrenals were fucked and I, <laughs> I was in burnout um <laughs> and I was always so busy like oh, I'm just too busy like oh you know finding time for self-pleasure was like I'm too busy like, I'm just too busy I don't have time like I don't have time it's just too much effort, like don't have energy, not busy, like just, just that busy, busy, busy. And one of my mentors said to me many years ago, EJ, you're always going to find yourself being busy because it wasn't that I was busy. It was like that I was cr- unconsciously creating the busyness because like I didn't feel safe to experience pleasure or to play. And so mm. those two things, I kept myself busy to avoid feeling like doing those things that didn't feel safe, essentially. So, yeah, that's and even been- <laughs> the even the word business, right? It's like busyness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, can oh, we God. change that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got me thinking now. I'm like, oh, how can we? How can we change it? <laughs> change that name. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it's just such an important journey, and this is really what we. Um, do in in deeper is it is about you know releasing the uh, ple- uh, pleaser and the, you know the overgiver that caretaker that high achiever that and and these roles essentially that we've created in childhood that we and masks that we have taken on to feel safe and to get love and to get approval but we never ever ever will feel fulfilled like working in this way living in this way and the amount of 
you know, successful, when I say that in quotation marks, um, like let's say people that are successful in business or financially successful that are actually completely unfulfilled and it never feels like enough, like they usually have these roles running yeah, and have very little time for also like intimacy, connection, pleasure, play. And they just don't really get to express their true selves in the world. And that's, I think that's sad. And yeah. And, and like, I've been there. So I, like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. With the sexual fawning, it's such a common pattern. um, I think not, not only just with women, but with men as well. It's like receiving, Mm. receiving is fucking vulnerable. Like it is really vulnerable to claim what we want and be fully Mm. receptive to receiving that. And so instead of receiving in that way, we give to receive yeah and it's like we're giving in this disguise that we're giving but we're actually doing it because it's meeting our needs on some level yeah it's making us feel like we're a better person because we're being of service but actually a lot of the time we're being completely in disservice to ourselves because we're we're abandoning ourselves and we're not even listening to our boundaries we're just constantly over giving until we're depleted and we have nothing left to give yeah and then we're still trying to give from this empty cup so yeah Yeah. I I resonate with that and it's it's a common cycle that I see in a lot of the women that I coach as well yeah and and something that you just said around like giving from an empty cup uh, I heard something once and it was really potent when I heard it was like that we should be giving from our overflow Mm -hmm. yeah like not, not not from our full cup from the overflow of our already full cup like there's overflow to give and that's something that really stuck with me. And I'm like, yes, that's what, that's what I want to make sure of, that I'm giving from my overflow. And since I released these roles, which has, has been a, a deep journey to, to go on because it's like, oh, who am I? Who am I if I'm mm. not a high achiever? Who am I if I'm not being this hyper-independent person? Who am I if I'm not like pleasing and, and looking after others? Well, then that's, that's when we get to face these shutdown parts, these parts where we have shame, these parts that are like longing to be expressed in the world. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that when I've, and, and those parts might even be, maybe it's our sexuality, like it's our, like this inner slut, this inner dominatrix is part of us that wants to like own all our desires and be witness in our sexual expression but that's been shut down for me. I got, I got caught at eight years old exploring pleasure with a, 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 another girl and we got separated and like basically like we were in trouble, like we were in trouble, we were being naughty. And, and then we just carried it on in secret. <laughs> and, but there was a sense of like I'm doing something wrong. There's shame yeah. here. That's not okay. And it's not okay for me to be seen in my pleasure. It's yeah, not okay. Like I have, it just has to be behind closed doors. Similar thing for me. Like I was first exploring pleasure and sensuality. Like I wouldn't even say it's sexuality because it's like you're still a child, but pleasure, you're, you're exploring sensation and what feels good as a little girl with other little girls. And even though I wasn't caught and shut down by someone, it was still like it still was laced with we are doing something wrong. Yeah, this is wrong. 
Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, that, that can really play out into a, into us like really owning uh, what what are our, our desires like what is it that we really want like some people they're like I don't I don't even know like I don't even know what my desires are like it's like not okay for them to even have desire to experience desire or that their like libido gets or they you know they don't have any sexual desire like this can, this can all you know, years of fawning and pleasing can impact that we can become really disconnected um, from our sexual energy and and so you know this is such an important part of us to to reclaim is this um, our right to our birthright to experience pleasure and so this is the journey that um, do you want to touch on before I get into it was there anything else you wanted to add before we start to talk about you know the journey that that deeper that we do that we take women on and deeper no, I, f- I think I feel pretty complete. Yeah, let's let's get into the juicy, deeper details. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we we really touched on uh, like pretty much what who deeper is for and and what um, we we do, but just to go a bit a, a bit a bit deeper into deeper <laughs> because it is and it is about like it is about going deeper into ourselves and these parts mm. of ourselves that have been shut down and are like longing to feel safe in the world to be expressed essentially. And yeah. so we, it's, it's a, it's a mix of teaching and embodiment journeys um, because obviously the, these parts of us are held in the body, our emotions related to these parts of us are in the body. And so we need a journey with those. And um, really the, one of the things, one of the, biggest things that I love to do is is taking women through really seeing what their roles are that they've been conditioned since childhood um, and releasing those roles and going on a somatic journey of releasing so not just with the mind we're not just working with the the you know the mindset it's like no actually where did where does these parts of self live in your body Mm. and and releasing them from the body and and then letting go of the ways that these parts of us have controlled our lives, like letting the part of mm. us that needs to do all the time, letting the go of the part of us that has to be responsible, yeah, and learning to be able to be more in the moment and it's and and really doing things that where we get to experience more fun and joy rather than for the like this is something I need to do, this is someone I need to take care of, this is what I have to do to please another person to to get there to be liked, etc. And then from that, it's like looking at like this play aspect and, and play can mean many different things is, is like how can we bring our play into our lives, give ourselves more permission to play and bring out um, what I call the playful lover. And that is like our flirty, sexy, creative, fun side. Yeah. And, and be witnessed and be seen in that. So there's, there's like teaching women how to bring that out and how to be more flirty and um, how to reignite that in their current relationship or you know, bring it into dating. Mm, yeah, perfect. And what I really love about this program that we're running and we're about to 
kick off the second round of um, is rather than just a program that's so focused on like healing yourself and letting go and, you know, doing that deep work, we're still doing that, but more so on this somatic level where we're inviting in and integrating the opposition of these, you know, of these roles and we're bringing them into the body through a bit of an archetypal journey and we're really embodying, like you said, the playful lover. We're embodying, um, what's the other one, the the dominatrix, you know, the, the opposing yeah. one to the pleaser. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're embodying these different energies rather than just constantly having to heal and let go of. And, yeah, there's this focus on, like, play and embodiment and intimacy and juiciness, right? Um, Yeah, and it's a space where we can really let go of, like, you know, having to wear these roles and show up as this, this teacher and coach and healer and we can just sort of be and connect with other women who are on this level uh, on this journey as well yeah yeah and and <laughs> every time I hear the dominatrix I'm like yes I can get excited <laughs> to that and then we've got a module in there that's called own your Di- desires like a dominatrix because that really is the medicine for our people pleaser yeah it's like when we get to really own this is what I want and and this is what I'm doing and um being able to even ask for what we want yeah and discovering like what are our deeper desires and what what is living in our body that is you know there's a desire that's probably there for me that was one of my journeys is that I wanted to go on lots of like sexual adventures and and one of the things that I created this is before I actually I'd already met my partner but we were still dating and I was seeing other men I created a scene where I had four men worship me and I was they were my servants and I was a queen there was no penetrative Mm -hmm. sex it was just them worshiping they had feathers and massage and rope and there was blindfolds and it was like such medicine for my caretaker because when I had been previously in intimacy I was usually caretaking a man and making sure like he was pleased and he was okay and he was comfortable and and I was being in service right and so these servants were being in service to me and I was asking from moment to moment when there was a new desire like okay now I want you to do this yeah and um they (laughs) there was one scenario where the man one of the men said to me something like he's like now you you should open your legs and I was like this is not about what you want (laughs) (laughs) this is about what I want and it was so good to say those words this is not about what you want this is about what I want and then the other men were like yes listen to our queen (laughs) (laughs) this is great I have such good like visuals right now in my mind (laughs) yeah I wish I could have taken a photo or something it was so so powerful and I mean afterwards I reflected and I could see like how my caretaking weaved in a little bit there was a time where I I had a break and I was like checking in with them are they okay like how are they feeling I was like hang on a minute like you know that's me not trusting that they've got themselves and that Mm. was something that also that I realized is that I didn't trust people's own boundaries I didn't trust that they had themselves because 
that's how I had been as well. I'd been that pleaser mm. that didn't trust my own boundaries and didn't couldn't speak up for what I wanted. And I was just seeing that and and other people and projecting that onto them. So mm. what we're going to do in, in deeper is that we have practices for you to be able to really own your desires and um, practices that are going to support you to do that with a partner or a lover, or maybe you want to create your own scenario or scene like I did. <laughs> and, and it doesn't have to necessarily be sexual. It can be within friendship. It can be with friends and family, like owning and speaking your desires and being okay with, you know, hearing no and um, even, you know, getting a yes. Some, some of us can even feel afraid to like um, get a yes from someone and what that could mean or you know that we might not be able to feel safe that we could change our mind these kind of things so that's all part of what we what we're big part of what we're exploring um, as well as um, sexual polarity and exploring mm. um, the Madonna whore split that often happens with women where you know as a as a woman um, becomes either maybe she becomes a mother or maybe she just has a mothering role which was me I'm not a mother but I definitely had a mothering role that was playing out and um, can split off from her sexuality and her desire um, because there's this idea that, um, oh, like I can't be seen that way. It's it's like not I won't be res- I won't be respected by a man if I'm in this whore energy, and and so they might split themselves and focus like I will just be in that mother energy. And often that happens when women go into a deeper commitment. And they um, might get um, engaged or married or become a mother, and it's unconscious, and it, and it can happen that way. So, so we're going to alchemize that with the sacred slut, which is mm-hmm. another beautiful, powerful archetype, and explore like you know what are our turn ons, what are our turn offs, and what are some polarity practices we can bring into our connections that are going to help us, you know, be able to be seen more in these and feel safe to be seen. And this is one I've had to do a lot of work on in my relationship because I had this split that um, between love and sex, like you, you can either be loved or you can have sex. Uh, this is a split that I had, like if I'm loved, it's not like as safe to be sexual with, with you know, and then my sexuality when I'm in a committed relationship. And mm. it's fascinating to explore this. I'm like, wow, wow. And, and yeah, it's just so interesting. And I've got like the opposite thing going on. I'm like, I am going to be abandoned and rejected if I don't have sex with my partner. Mm. Yeah. And so I would push myself to have sex even when my body was shut down in a no. So, yeah, that's been a real journey of, yeah, unraveling that and really coming into this like deeper, um, I guess, more embodied connection to my sexuality and really listening to my body and asking for what I need and asking them to meet me in that to slow down um, and really like expressing from Mm. my body like what it's needing to open sexually rather than just forcing it to 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 do its job right because it was like otherwise it was like I'm they're not going to love me yeah 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 I I love that we um, you know have had different experiences because you know, the women that are in this and deeper, we're, we're also different. So it's really important mm. to be able to give different perspectives and different resonances. And that's the also the beauty of being in a container of women, a community that that uh, that a woman that are very similar 
and where we get to share and learn from each other and feel like we're not alone essentially. I, I mean, I felt like I was alone a lot as be, being a leader and being a teacher and feeling like I also couldn't fully share what was going on for me because that would threaten my role of teacher leader. Mm. Like, oh, yeah. my God, like I won't be respected, I, I you know, like and and actually I wrote a post about that I ended up writing this public post about my leader role and how I was protecting myself and that opened me up to so much intimacy and connection from people and I actually got Mm. getting clients from it like I want to work with you because you're so vulnerable and I just really relate Mm. to your story I'm like I'm not I'm not fixed yet and I use again quotation marks but I'm still journeying this but they didn't care they were like like I just love your there was there was a time when I was like oh my god I'm teaching intimacy and I have no intimacy and I and I owned it (laughs) like I was like I'm and that was so vulnerable for me to share I'm an intimacy coach that's avoidant of intimacy and that sharing that was just so liberating for me Mm. and and yeah I did I did have someone in that moment that I shared that it was at a um it was in a like a circle and she was like, yeah, I want to come and work with you. <laughs> so, but you realize that I'm not like, I'm still like, I feel like I'm at the start here. And she was like, yeah, I just really resonate to you. And I love your authenticity. I was like, wow, mm. great. That's, that's amazing. So um, yeah, I guess to any woman watching this who resonates, just know that like, it's okay. You're not alone. And to be where you are was completely fine. And Sarah and I were like, we don't ha- get this stuff perfect either. We're still yeah. journeying with these some of these pieces and the more la- la- layers will come be discovered through the work that we're doing. When we go, th- when we when we run deeper, we're going through it with you as well to a degree, yeah? Yeah, a deeper so, layer of it, yeah. <laughs> of the embodiment of it. Yeah, I love that. I love mm-hmm. that about um, our program and, and how, we, how we teach and share this work. It is through our stories. And some of these stories, like last night on, on the call, like I was sharing a story that happened that day. Yeah, <laughs> that happened that yeah. day where I realised that I actually didn't communicate um, in a way that uh, my partner was able to receive me and, and some of the insights and lessons that I received from that. So, you know, you, I don't feel like there's, there's ever a destination. <laughs> like we're continuing to evolve mm. and grow as we as we teach and, and share this work but um I'm loving seeing the shifts that the women in our container current container are already having and what I really love about this is that you know it's sort of the slowness of it right it's like we're um, every module is like this per fortnight so we we have a call and then there's like embodiment work to do um, in a separate you know recording and then we have a coaching call and these coaching calls they're probably some of my favorite calls because it's where we can get really personal it's where the women in the container generally all have space to share what's um, alive for them and to ask our advice or to ask us a question around something they're journeying and yeah it's just it's such a beautiful energy and I feel like everything that every woman shares and everything that we share in response um you know every other woman in the container also gets something out of it yeah yeah and that's one of the intention we hold is that the other woman sharing is going to and the way that we answered like the, the other woman will get um get more awareness for themselves and um one of the other things that I'm really loving is that we actually have a monthly 
intimate relating practice call. And so this is where if you do have a partner, you get to bring your partner on the Zoom. If you don't have a partner, you're welcome to bring someone, but we will organize someone for you. And you won't stay with that person the whole time. You'll move around. Um, But where we actually practice relating, we Mm. practice sharing and expressing and communicating because here's the thing, we get better at relating by practicing relating. And relating. what I see, yeah, <laughs> what I see a lot with the, with, you know, the, the women that are like, you know, over-independent and high achievers and busy is they either A, don't actually create the space for it or in, in their relationship, or if they're single, they're just not going out and allowing themselves to really connect with men on an intimate level. And or and all being you know really vulnerable and expressing their desires, and so we created a space for that. We're like, right, mm. like here's the space for us to guide you with that. And the more practice you get, the better, because then you're going to take it into your life and you're going to start doing it naturally. And that it's so much. I feel so much joy when I see the men and women connecting and then sharing what they got out of that practice. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's so mm. so amazing to see that and I really think we need more spaces like this I'm definitely on a mission to (laughs) to create more Mm -hmm. spaces because we need we need men and women to come together and actually practice relating because I feel like there's a lot of men's work out there there's a lot of women's work out there and there's a lot of people doing we're doing our own healing work working with coaches or doing online programs and they're like okay so now I have to go into the real world and actually apply this with other people and there aren't a lot of spaces for that no, and it's not embodied. Yeah. It's just like they're hearing, they're learning stuff, but they're not actually like creating the space to actually embody that. Like, yeah, I feel you. I love those calls. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, and the, and the other thing we have is a, a somatic intimacy vault, and so with these the embodiment calls, they all go into a vault, and there are a heap of practices and um, and and this other other. Um, PDFs and, and things that go into the somatic intimacy vault. So you have access to different tools and practices. If you love to be guided, which I personally love, um, you know, I can know all the practices in the world, but I I prefer to have someone guiding me through them to stay on track with that. So that that's a vault that you have access to that you can pull things out of and um, yeah, like so many different things there. in there. There's enough in there to do a different practice like every day now, you know, there's breath work, there's <laughs> dancing, there's movement, there's shaking, there's all the things. Yeah. And that, and that yeah. is like really, really important, right? Because if we're not doing the embodiment work, then it's like, we, we need to land this work fully into our body, you know, and, and essentially what we're doing um, in these guided practices is we're sort of like not only regulating our nervous system, but we're breathing our body open. And, and so it's in a place of receptivity to intimacy, to vulnerable, yep. like to, to be able to express vulnerably um, and express our desires and feel that on a somatic level. So yeah, that's almost one of my favorite parts of the program as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, so Deepa really is, you know, it's an online immersion. It's for, for four months that is for growth-driven women who are ready to fully claim their desires, embody their feminine essence, and open to deep intimacy with men. And what I what I really um, 
want to see for women is that they, you know, they get to wake up every day full of gratitude. They, they're excited for like this deep intimacy that they've opened themselves up to. They're able to switch off from work. Like they're, they're able to stop being in doing mode and, and really soften and relax into their receptive feminine essence. And, mm. and then they feel like that confidence of really being able to communicate with men, owning and speaking their desires um, in a way that actually inspires men, that empowers them to lead in, in their masculine. And this is another point. We actually haven't touched on this, but we hear from a lot of women, I just want a man to lead. I want him mm. to take the direction. I want him to make an effort. I want him to, um, you know, make the decisions, et cetera. And so this really comes down to like how receptive are we? How much do we feel safe with this? And, um, and how can I communicate? in a feminine way, in a way that is receptive, that inspires a man to actually do that. Because a lot of the reason that we don't, and we're not like, we're not allowing that in is because we either don't feel safe and then we're, and, and we're in these roles that we spoke about and we're communicating in a way that just doesn't, that actually shuts a man down and makes him not want to do those things. Yeah, mm. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Sexual polarity is, is a big one. And I mean, I feel like that's a podcast uh, in itself and we haven't really yeah. touched too much on that, but it tends to be these over-independent, high achieving women who, you know, are, are very focused on their business and, you know, being busy that don't create the space for intimacy that also have these depolarized relationships where they're feeling mm. like they're more of the man in their relationship and they're never sexually satisfied in that relationship. And I know that both you and I have mm. been on that journey. So this is really a journey <laughs> yeah. for those women and those women who actually haven't experienced the deep union and the deep intimacy um, and, and, and having a man that is fully showing up for them and is devoted to them um, and, and wants to, to lead them. Yeah. So this is, this is really about that. It's about becoming the woman, the lover um, that is actually a magnet for this type of, of relationship. Yeah, yeah, love that. So, I mean, this is an invitation for, for the, the woman who is listening and is like, yeah, that's me. Like, I resonate to so much of that. Um, and and you're called too deeper. Then if you go to ejlove.com slash deeper, then you will find all the information about it. Uh, if you have questions, please feel free to reach out to Sarah or myself and uh, if you just want to get some deeper clarity on if this, this is the right program for you. And there is also an option to upgrade to get some one-on-one -on -one time with, with either of us. And so I would recommend the one-on-ones if you're someone that needs a bit more accountability and totally. you want to get a little bit more personalized. If you like feel like you really want to get more personalized and, and, I mean, we're going to support you anyway through like the Q&A, the Fortnightly Q&A course. You'll have opportunities to obviously ask questions. But if you want more accountability and you want more support, then I would recommend to uh, get an, um, get the one-on-one -on -one upgrade. Uh, there is only limited spots with that as well because obviously there's only, well, there's two of us, but we still, <laughs> we still have our other clients as well. So we do. Totally. And, we, and we really want to make sure we're offering you really quality and, and and time and attention I don't, I don't actually take on a lot of one-on-one -on -one clients because I like to make sure that um, I have the energy to fully give to to my clients 
and I'll drop all the links um, in in the show notes as well. So you can just scroll down and um, you'll be able to find EJ's podcast as well. So definitely recommend having a listen over there. Um, and then you can find a link to Deeper and both of our social medias as well. Yay, we look forward to seeing some mm-hmm. of you in Deeper. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>